All right, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Today, we come to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, finishing this series, Finding Meaning in the Madness. Um, and hopefully, in the course of this series, what you have found is that, is that Solomon, the preacher, has been emphasizing to us over, over and over and over that life, if all that there is, is under the sun, if, if all that we have is what is right here, if this is all we get, well, then this life is bubbles. But, but that is not all that there is. That is not all that we have. That is not all, all that we see. And so when we cast our eyes upward, when we see, see above what is under the sun, and we cast our eyes on Jesus, then our life under the sun can finally be filled with the meaning that it was supposed, supposed to have all along. We ought not look at life and, and all of its small details as being pointless. Every, every single mundane thing that we have, every experience that we, that we go through, every experiential analogy that God puts us in, every, everything that we do every single day that seems like, at times, it doesn't have a point, point, is pregnant with eternal meaning, if we have the right perspective. And so Solomon began the book, in the book by talking about all of the ways that he tried to find meaning. And he instructs us on his, his, his experiment, his social exper experiment, to demonstrate all of the ways that we as, hu as humans attempt to find meaning outside of God. Things like relationships, things like work, things like accomplishments, making a difference in what's in life, being a good person, growing in wisdom, doing things that are amazing and, in and incredible, reaching our potential, gathering wealth and possessions, and Every single one of those places, at the end of it, he said, it's bubbles. It's vanity. It, it is this, this Hebrew word, word, hevel, which means it's transient. It's like, like smoke. It's vapor. It's here one moment. It's gone the next. It's impo impossible to grasp. It comes with no guarantees. It is wild, wildly inconsistent. It's never the same way twice. Ultimately, it, it pops quickly, and it's over. It's over and over and over and over. He has cast uh, our eyes on the truth that those, that those things without God are in and of themselves pointless. But over and over and over and over, he's reminded us that life under the sun is not all that there is. That this is just, just the beginning. And that after this is what really counts. And so with that eternal perspective in mind, our work, work our relationships, our growing in wisdom, and everything else, else can be filled with the meaning that it was supposed to have. So finally, we reach Ecclesiastes chapter 12. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, quite likely are the final words of Solomon. Quite likely, these are the words that he spoke at the end of his own life, looking, looking back and, and trying to show us the truth. As, as he's lying on his deathbed, these are, the, these are the final words that he gives us. Final, final words, I suppose, will be our theme for the evening. A guy named Jack Arnold preached his final sermon as a pastor 
in, in January of 2005 at the age of sub-69. On that day, Jack Arnold was guest preaching in, in his home church, a church where he himself had been the senior senior pastor until the late 1990s. After, after being the, the senior pastor of this church, Covenant Presbyterian Church in Flo Florida, he started a ministry called Equipping Pastor Pastors International. And in that ministry, he would travel around the, around the world and train and support pastors. Asia, in Africa, in South America, all over the world, Jack, Jack Arnold would travel to uh, train these pastors. So you could hardly call this retirement, even though he'd gone from, from full-time pastorate. He didn't retire, he just started, started a, a new ministry. And Covenant Presbyterian Church was still his home, his home base, but he had handed uh, the weekly reins of leadership and pastoral leadership to another leader. Now... Every ministry eventually comes to an end, right? For, for every pastor, there will be a, a final sermon that you preach. What makes Jack Arnold's last sermon unique is how his sermon, sermon ended. He was preaching his message that day on Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. His self-proclaimed life passage, his life verses. And in that passage, Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to be... I, des I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your account. To live is Christ, to, to die is gain. As Arnold preached through this passage, he quoted theologian John Wesley, Wesley saying, Until my work is done on earth, on earth I am immortal. And to the end of that quote, he added, But when my work for Christ is done, is done I'm out of here. And from there, he continues with these words. I don't know about you, but when my work is done, I go to be with Jesus. And that will be gain. And when I, I go to heaven, there, uttering that statement, when I go to heaven, he grabbed the, grabbed the pulpit with both hands, looked up, swayed back and forth a little bit, and collapsed. One parishioner that was sitting in the front row later said, it's like, it's like he was just all there, and then not there at all. Like, like a hand came, came through the roof and just snatched him out of his body. Medical personnel there present in the church rushed to his aid, but to no avail. He had imme immediately died of cardiac arrest. He never reached the conclusion of his sermon. Before he reached the conclusion of his, of his life. Literally, with heaven on, on his lips. Yo, that's how to go out. If you could choose how to go, go out, that is how to go out. Starting a sentence about heaven while you stand preaching the gospel on earth. earth and then finishing that sentence when you wake up 
in, in heaven with Jesus. You couldn't ask for a, for a better conclusion than that. There's no way that he himself would have planned and that. But the thing is, he didn't have to have to plan it. He didn't have to plan going out, going out like that. It was simply how he lived every single day. It was how he functioned every day. He died with heaven on his lips because he lived with heaven on his lips. And that should challenge all of us greatly. Is that how we are living right now? Today? Are we living living right now with heaven on our lips? Are we prepared to die with heaven on our lips? Whatever moment that, that might be. Because we don't get to choose when that will happen. For all of, all of us, there is a countdown that is running. And, and the number is probably different unless Jesus comes back during our, during our lifetime. For all of us, that countdown has a different number on it. But it's counting down. And we don't know how far along in the, in the countdown we are. So whatever moment that, that clock hits zero... Will our, our story end like Jack Arnold's did? Or will it end on a much different note? As we come to the end of Ecclesiastes, Solomon gives us his final words. Again, perhaps the final words of his life. And his admonishment to us in these final words of his life. For as long as you breathe, Live, live for the Lord before it is too late. So, turn in your Bible, in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Beginning in verse 1. Remember also your, your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come, the years draw near, near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grind grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the, through the windows are dimmed, and the doors in the street are shut, shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low, low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. And desire, desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal, eternal home. And the mourners go about in the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped. Or the, gold, the golden bowl is broken. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain. Or the wheel broken at the cistern. And the, dust, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit, spirit returns to God who gave it. Bubbles of bubbles, says the preacher. All is bubbles. Besides being wise, the preacher, preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many great, great proverbs with care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like those, and like nails firmly fixed to the collected sayings, they are given, are given by one shepherd. 
My son, be aware of anything, anything beyond these. The making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this, this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment. With every secret thing, whether good or evil. So let's jump right, jump right in. Point number one. Point number one. Your time is running out. Good news, right? Let's start here on a positive note, okay? On a, on a positive note, let's start by saying, all of y'all are going to die. Isn't that great? And none, none of us know when it's going to be. But what Solomon makes very clear to us is it's going to happen, and it's going to happen fast, fast. Before we are possibly ready for it, we are going to arrive there. Okay, this church, this church is filled with young people. Very, very young people like myself, okay? We all, all together are very young, all right? right? Alice and I were having a conversation at the dinner table yesterday, and, and we were talking about working out and getting fed, and that we were happy that we were going we to be in the best shape of our lives in our 30s, okay? And I was telling, telling her about this girl at work that I was having a conversation with, and she was talking about going out with some of her friends, and she's like, and then this guy, this guy tried to buy me a drink, and he was super old, like 35. And I was, and I was like, wait a second, I'm 35. What, what do you mean super old? And she immediately started to backtrack and was like, no, 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 no that, that, that's not what I meant. I mean, I mean, he was really creepy, and I'm like, no, 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 no. But what you said was, he's super old, he's 35, and that's my age. My age. And she's like, well, well, you're not super old because you're not, you're not creepy. And I'm like, no, 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 what you said was, 35 is super old, all right? I, re- I refuse. And so I said to my wife yesterday, I refuse to, to be super old. It's not going to happen. And I went on my phone, and I was like, how, how, how old is Justin Timberlake? And my phone goes, Justin Timberlake like, is 40 years old. I'm like, sweet. Justin Timberlake is still dope. He's 40. All right? I got time. I was like, I was like how old is Jennifer Lopez? Jennifer Lopez is 50, 51 years old. I'm like, Allison, look. J-Lo's 51. We got all the, all the time in the world, okay? All of us feel that, feel that way, right? We all want to hold on desperately to our youth. And what Solomon says is, okay, that's, that's good. Hold on to your youth and use your youth right now before it is too late. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, youth. which we all agree we're in, right? Okay, we are all, all in our days of youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil, day, evil days come. And your years draw near of which you will say, I have, I have no pleasure in it. Maybe some of you who are watching right now are old. Are old. I'm not. Okay? But I, but I will be. Lord willing, I will be. Will be. And he begins to describe what it's like, like when you get old. He begins to describe the things that you experience. In verse 2 where he says, Before the, for the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after, after the rain. He's talking about your mind beginning to go. Clouds are darkening now. There's not clarity the way that there, that there used to be before. Then in verse 3 he says, when the, when the keepers of the house tremble, that's your hands, 
Your hands begin, begin to get weak. They used to be strong, but now they begin to weaken. And the strong men are bent. That's, that's your legs beginning to bend. Your body is starting to bend forward. forward. The grinders cease because they're few. Your teeth, teeth are starting to fall out. You need dentures. Those who look through the windows are dim. That means your vision is, is starting to go. You start putting on reading glasses and you go, man, my, man, my vision is not as good as it used to be. I'm going to need a new prescription again. Verse 4. The doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, that means you're, you're, you become homebound. You, you can't leave the house as often as you did before. Where he says, one rises up with the sound of a bird. And you can't sleep through the night anymore. You're, you're no longer able to, able to rest the way that, that you used to. The daughters of song were brought, were brought low. Your voice starts giving out. Verse, verse 5, they're also afraid of what is high and terrors are in, are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grass hopper drags, drags itself along. You're, you're no longer able to, to have the strength to face the challenges of the world that you, you, you used to. And so you fear. You, you have more fear than you used to have, to have before. You, you begin to move slowly. Your, your vigor fades. You know your time is running out. out. Next he says in, in verse 6, desire, sorry, this is the second half of verse 5, desire fails because, because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go, go about in the streets. Your, your life, once full of energy, full of earthly beauty, ultimately begins to falter. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher, pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave, gave it. Your life comes to an end. You go, you go back to dust, and your spirit ascends. Here, so- Solomon brings us quite literally to the to the end. To the bitter end of life, life under the sun. Up to this point he has been descri- describing all of the various ways that life under the sun is frustrating and confusing and, and, and difficult difficult to understand and, and it goes by quickly and now he reach, reaches the end of life under the sun. If we are lucky enough to even, even make it this long. Because there are many, many people that don't make it this long. Describing how physically you begin to age. A lot of people are dead, dead before that. My dad died at age 49 as the 5% man. One of the fittest people on planet Earth. And he was gone, gone just like that. So what he's describing here it is if you make it to here, here. And, and, and it's very clear that, that he's telling us you might not make, make it until age 70 and die in the pulpit saying, and when I go to heaven, heaven after a full life. Okay, this, this is the best case scenario, right? right? This is the best you can hope for. The, the best you can hope for. Any of us, any of us here, any of us watching, the, the best we can hope for is to live long enough to, 
to see your body begin to fail and cease to function the way that it used to. Great news, news, right? Your, your best hope, your best hope under the sun, as good as you can possibly wish for, is to live long, long enough to where other people have to take care of you because you can no longer take care of yourself. Which is why the very next phrase that he uses in verse 8, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Bubbles of bubbles. All, all is bubbles. Even after a, a full life. Even after doing, doing everything in the world that you were told you needed, needed to do. Even after chasing it all, achieving it all, experiencing it all, gaining it all, all. after all, your, your life will end. In comes the tide. Washes away your life. And returns back out to the sea. When, when you reach that point, in your life, if, if you are lucky to reach this point in your life, what do you hope to look back, look back on? Do you hope to look back on th- things that have faded away already? Things that, things that you got to do, but now are gone. Things that you carry with you to that, to that point, but can carry with you no further. Things that have gathered rust, or things that are eternal. Things that you cannot bring, bring, or things that you can carry to the other side. Do you want to live in regret? Wishing that you had done it differently. Or do you want to end your story the way that Jack Arnold did? With heaven on your lips. Ready for whatever ever moment it is. There's a song by Trip Lee that I cry, cry through every time it plays. Because in this song, he talks about the passing of his father. And, and so, many, so many of the lines in this song I identify with because of the, of the passing of my own father. And, and in the chorus, this song is called, it's called Ready. In the chorus, he says this, speaking to death, death itself. He says, I hear your footsteps coming from me from behind. And I know that any day it might be be my time. But I'll be ready if you're coming. Ready. Ain't no running. I'll be ready when it's time. I'll be ready. I'll be ready for that moment. I'm only human and I know it. But I'll be ready when it's time. I'll be ready. Ready. Are you ready? Today, right now, are you ready? Evaluating the things in your, in your life that are most important. Evaluating the priorities. Evaluating what you see as the most important ways to spend your time, your energy, your, your money, your resources. Are you pouring your life into what matters most 
life into things that there will come a day, day when the grasshopper drags itself along that nothing, none of that stuff is going to matter anymore. Will it, will it be forgotten? Will you, you be ready? Because the thing is, your time, my, my time, is running out. Point number two. And y'all, y'all, I'm trying to go quickly here because uh, stuff that matters is happening in just a little bit, okay? Tom Brady is going to be in his tenth Super Bowl. We all want to see it, right? So I'm not going to preach for two hours tonight like I want to, all right? Point number two. All of life boils down, down to two things. Reverence and obedience. All of life, all of life boils down to two things. Reverence and obedience. That's it. Here, beginning in verse 9, the narrator finish, finishes the story. Now, way back in the series before, we talked we talked about the fact that everything in the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon's words. But it is quite poss- possible that these words were compiled by somebody else. If he's speaking to an amanuensis, for example, if he's got a scribe who is taking these things down, this narrator, whomever they were, ends by, by talking about the preacher. Okay? Okay, he, says, he says, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the, taught the people knowledge. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs and verbs with great care, the preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote, he wrote words of truth. So, so Solomon has been making his argument this whole time. Whole time. Solomon has been laying down uh, all, all of this truth this whole time, whole time. And now, at the very end, he, he ends with the words, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity, and those, and those are the last words we get from Solomon, except for the fact that his scribe tells us the, the end of the story. His scribe tells us, as he, as he is eulogizing the preacher, he gives us the preacher's final point. He, he drives home what the preacher has been leading, leading up to this entire time. He summarizes the entirety of the, of the argument and everything that it's been building up to. And what Solomon likely said with his final breath, like when Jack Arnold, Arnold with his final breath said, and when I get to heaven, and he, and he croaked. Here, Solomon end, ends with, tell them I said this. And Solomon died with heaven on his lips. And, and what was Solomon's final statement? Verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commitments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will, God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. evil. After everything, after, after covering it all, after talking about it all, after examining every single piece of life, after experiencing all that he experienced, after gaining all that he gained, after doing all that he did, he, said, he says at the end of it all, after everything else, it all boils down to one simple phrase. Fear God and keep his commandments. 
thing is, we make life out to be, to be very, very complicated. We, we turn it into this complex mystery that, that we have, have spent eons trying to figure out what is, the, what is the meaning of life? What am I here to do? What's my purpose? And, and, and asking those questions is fine, okay? Every single one of us has individual things, little things that God has called us to do. But, but as, a, as a people, we get so wrapped up, up in this complex question of what, what is life? Actually, it's very, it's very, very simple. All of life boils, boils down very simply to this. Fear God, fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. With that, with that in mind, with the ending in mind, we take that knowledge and we could reread it now. We're not going to do it at this moment. But we could, we could go back and reread every bit of Ecclesiastes leading up to this point. Framed with that that statement. That's how we ought to. We ought to read the entirety of the book of Ecclesiastes framed with that statement. Fear God, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In fact, every story is like that. Every every story that you ever read reaches its conclusion at the end. And when you reach that that incredible wow moment at the end, everything leading up to that now makes sense. And so when you re you rewatch rewatch the movie or reread the book, no, knowing what the end is, everything in the book now changes, right? Um, do you guys mind if I ruin the end of Harry Potter for you? Okay, if you're watching right now and, and you still don't know the ending of Harry, Harry Potter, mute me. Okay, three, two, one, mute. All right, all right. I'll wave at you when I don't want you to be muted. All right, all right. For those of you that are here, plug your ears. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. At the end of Harry Potter, you find out that Severus Snape, Snape is the good guy. Throughout the entire series, that guy has been a jerk, right? Right? Every step of the way, you're like, I hate that guy. Every time, time he has an opportunity to stick it to Harry Potter, he does it. What, what is his problem? What is your malfunction, Severus Snape, he makes the entire time? But then, at the end, you go... Been hiding this the entire time, and knowing that, 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 then you go back and you rewatch the movie, and you go, you know what? He's what? He's not being mean. There, he's being protective. He's trying to look out, look out for her. Oh, I thought he was trying to do this. He's actually, he's actually doing. That. He's. It makes sense now, right? You, you can go back and make sense of everything else when you know what the end is. You read everything much differently at that point. Armed with the ending. You can properly read the beginning, and properly read the middle, and finally reach the end. The same applies here. Unmute. Unmute. It's not? Awesome. Alright, we're going to roll it. <laughs> the same is true here. Knowing what the end is, we reread everything else. The end of, of all is this. The end of, end of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole, whole duty of man. So when you go back and you reread 
those pieces of Ecclesiastes where he's like, I, tr- I tried to, to, to find meaning by filling my mind with knowledge, but, but, but it wasn't enough. It, it, it was bubbles. Because fearing God and keeping his commandments is the whole duty of man. man. And if I would have just applied that, then filling my mind, my mind with knowledge would have been filled with purpose. See, I, I tried, tried self-indulgence, and, and I, I didn't deny myself any pleasure in the entire world. And it wasn't enough. That was bubbles. Because that's not really the point of life. The point of life is fear God and God and keep his commandments. I, I tried work, and I tried accomplishments. I tried doing um, amazing, incredible things. I, I tried to win my 10th Super Bowl, Bowl, but it was empty, ultimately because fearing God and keeping his commandments is the whole, the whole duty of man. I tried being a good person. I tried being religious. I tried having, having a family and, and relationships and all that, but none of it, of it gave me the meaning that I needed to because I know that the meaning, meaning that I need to have is in fearing God and keeping his commandments because that is the whole I'm arming you this arming you with this knowledge now in the days of your youth. So that before the evil days come, before the end comes, whatever the zero is on your your clock, whenever that might be, I'm telling you now, now, Solomon says, the entire duty of man is is to fear God. And keep his, his commandments. And when you do that, when that is what your what your entire life is built upon, when that is your foundation, I exist solely to reverence God and and to obey God. When that's what you build every build everything on, everything is filled with eternal purpose. Everything is filled with eternal meaning. Everything is filled with the satisfaction that God was supposed to give it. And with that, we read statements that he wrote, wrote earlier like, Enjoy every day that you have, have under the sun. Eat and drink and be merry. He said that how many, how many times? Eat and drink and enjoy your toil because you know that your life is found not in the toil, but in fearing God and in keeping His commandments. While you are young, while you are breathing, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole, whole duty of man. Jack Arnold's church, um, after Jack Arnold died and made international news because of how he died, I mean, crazy story, right? A guy literally dies in the middle of a sermon. And not only dies in the middle of a sermon, but dies as he's uttering the word words. And when I go to heaven. So he makes international news. And and his son wrote a post online. And and in this post, publishes some some of his dad's sermon notes. Okay? Many preachers read off extended notes. Or, or, or manuscripts. Many of you know that I often am, am reading my sermon word for word. Every sermon that I preach is written word for word out. So, Jack Arnold had sermon notes that he didn't, he didn't get to. 
that he wrote that he never got to say because he was already in heaven. His sermon had this conclusion. Christians often have a horrible fear that if they really commit to commit to Christ, becoming a radical in his kingdom, they will suffer so, so terribly and their lives will be miserable. But what does Jesus, Jesus say? The Apostle Peter also questioned what if, what if following Christ is really worth it? And Christ gave him a direct answer, answer in Matthew chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow. What then will there be for us? For us? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth of the truth. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on, sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And, and everyone who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or, or father, or mother, or children, or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit, inherit eternal life. But those who are first will be last, last and the last will be first. Was, was Christ jerking us around? Was he lying to us? His words are either true or false. If they're false promises, Christ is a liar. He's not worth, not worth following. Let us go out and eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. We die. But if they are true, are true promises, then not to follow, follow Christ would be the biggest mistake any person could ever make. Not to follow Christ would cost one, one, his or her soul. We Christians just have one life to give. So let us give it for Christ and his kingdom. For eternal values and for the glory of God. If that is, that is how we live, then, like Jack, Jack Arnold, this is how we will die. With he heaven on our lips. Because we understand that to fear God and to keep his command commandments is the whole duty of man. And when we live like that, there is beauty in the bubbles. There is meaning in the madness. There is, a, there is eternal point to the pointless. Let's pray.